Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Booker on the drive, rising up, and takes him to the boom room. This building is erupting. Keep 12 personnel in the field as opposed to going to his big body that involves a couple of 300-pounders from the defensive side. Robinson! Flag is down as he crosses the goal line. Third base for Lopez. Ball game. Barlow hangs on. Kansas City gets the 5-4 win. They out-hit the Diamondbacks 14-10. D-backs had some great chances late, but couldn't get the tying and winning runs across, and the series now even a game apiece. He's looking the other way, however. Now buys himself some time. He's going to head to the sticks himself and trot in. Touchdown, Bryce Young. They'll get it to Murray. 30 seconds. Jokic, then a little hesitation. Puts it in. And he's fouled. And Hunter. And here's Young. Backtracks. Five to two. Young lets it go. And Ice cold. The Warriors back up by two. Bunk. One more. Fox walks into the three. There's your answer. Hasn't played in a lot of playoff games. This is his 12th of his career. Some with Brooklyn, some with Minnesota. Morant, right hand looks pretty good there. Hart to Barrett, three-pointer. In and out. Hart, the offensive rebound. Back out to Brunson. History. Time! Jalen Brunson from downtown. A 10-point Nick lead. Allen tees up a three. Rebound inside. Oh, Giannis took it away and crowbars it in. He leads it off here in the third. Pirates up 2-1. to one. Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Right center field. Deep to the wall. And gone! Brian Reynolds hits it into the Red Sox bullpen. He has homered again. Number four for Brian Reynolds. The Pirates lead it 3-1. to one. He has hit six home runs in five games in his career against the Red Sox. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Wednesday, April 26th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis in today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. The Suns, were you impressed with a series win over the shorthanded Clippers? The Cardinals, where should running back rank on the draft uh, week to do list? The Diamondbacks, what has been most disturbing about the bad stretch over the last few games, at least this homestand for sure. Meanwhile, the Panthers is Bryce Young, the obvious first pick of the draft from the NBA scoreboard. What did we learn last night on the NBA marquee? Who you got tonight in the four-game slate? This uh, should be a, a fun night tonight in uh, the NBA playoffs. 
On the diamond, the Pirates. Are they close to competing in the NL Central? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, a Carolina Panthers draft update. Mike Lissette will join us from Carolina Sports, from Charlotte Sports, from Charlotte Sports. 9.30 or so, interactive action. 602-260-1060 and also some local roundup that will include some Suns and Clippers Game 5 analysis and also some Diamondbacks and Royals from Tuesday night. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will include from the scoreboard and some uh, latest line action for tonight's uh, NBA action and beyond. Then after the Sports Zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That will include some Cardinals discussion with Howard Balzer. Right now, though, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And the question is, were you impressed with the Suns' five-game series win over the shorthanded Clippers? Kayla is here and has the early returns. That's right. Yes, out in front, 67% of the vote. No trailing at 33%. The Suns scored 50 points in the third quarter. But after some less than smart sequences at both ends of the floor, they amazingly were forced to make plays down the stretch. How about some good, bad, and ugly from the Suns' uh, series victory over the Clippers, whether it be last night or the course of the five-game series? Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should a running back, when should running back be addressed by the Cardinals in the draft? First round, second day, or third day? And Kayla, once again, has early returns. Well, right now we're in a 50-50 split between second day and third day and first round getting no love. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. There was some talk out there yesterday on ESPN that they might drop down the first round and take B. John Robinson. But if they do that, they better be doing that before the 10th pick because it certainly appears that Philadelphia is poised to take one B. John Robinson. All right, the Cardinals still have veteran James Conner, but their only other running backs in the roster are Yacante Ingram, Corey Clement, and Tyson Williams. In addition to running back, what uh, other positions must the Cardinals address during this week's draft? Meanwhile, on the local front, uh, staying on the local front, the Diamondbacks have played poorly the last two nights. They were fortunate to beat the Royals on Monday night. Tuesday night, another unacceptable starting pitching performance and some very sloppy defense resulted in a 5-4 loss to the lowly Kansas City Royals. Last place, Kansas City Royals. What's been most disturbing about the Diamondbacks during their current 2-4 you know, run here during this homestand, which concludes today? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, the Panthers with the first pick uh, appear set to select Bryce Young with Thursday's first overall selection. The first overall suspense all but vanished last week, at least seemed to, when Young canceled and uh, they canceled. He, he didn't postpone these. He canceled all his remaining visits to other organizations. Should the Panthers select Bryce Young with the first selection of the NFL draft on Thursday night? 
Meanwhile, back to the NBA postseason. Historically, teams with 3-1 series leads have won 95% of those series. Last night, the Suns and the Nuggets finished off the Clippers and the Wolves, respectively. But the Celtics blew a big lead in the fourth quarter and lost at home to the Hawks. Do we learn anything from the Nuggets during their five-game series victory over the Wolves? And for the Celtics, is there reason for concern after following, uh, excuse me, failing to close out the Hawks in two of the last three games? Meanwhile, there are four games tonight, all game fives. This should be fun. TNT doubleheader, Lakers at Grizzlies and Warriors at Kings. De'Aaron Fox said on Tuesday he will play tonight. Meanwhile, the NBA TV doubleheader, Lakers at Cavs and Heat at Bucks. Who you got in any of tonight's four NBA playoff games? Switching to baseball, the Pirates spent money on Tuesday. Uh, they agreed to terms on a six-year, $106.75 million deal, which seems to be actually a cheap contract, quite frankly, and uh, very team-friendly uh, with uh, outfielder Brian Reynolds who apparently now will not be traded to the New York Yankees at some point, which has been rumored and speculated for weeks, months, really actually months since the end of last season. So are the Pirates, and I know they're doing well so far this season, but it's a short sample size, are they close to being competitive in the NL Central? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That is the pipeline for today. We'll get to all their tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by the third of our five NFL draft segments in this hour, this week. Uh, we'll uh, get a preview of the Carolina Panthers. They are drafting number one. Mike Lissette is scheduled to join us from Charlotte Sports Live. So we'll uh, see if it, it is Bryce Young is the man. Uh, at least uh, get Mike's opinion and thought process of what's going on. They've had an interesting offseason. And I know that some, I know a couple people specifically got a little tired of me talking up the Panthers' talent level last year. Uh, I'm going to talk it up again in the next segment. I think they've added to that talent level during free agency. I think the Panthers are on the brink of being pretty darn good if they can get some quarterback play. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. 
The Panthers traded with the Bears to get the first pick of the NFL draft. What will the Panthers do? Uh, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports one by Mike Lissette of the uh, of Charlotte Sports Live. And Mike, good to have you on the show. And let's start with uh, the changes at the top in Carolina. Scott Fitter and Frank Reich are in. Matt Roll fired last season and headed back to college, this time to Nebraska. Do we know at this point what the philosophy might be uh, with the new hierarchy with Fitter and uh, and Reich uh, heading into the, the, the in the draft? We might got a clue in the off season, but we'll get to that in a minute too. But what what do we think about the philosophy overall with the new with the new regime? Well, it's interesting. I mean, ever since Matt Rule got ousted and they decided not to go with Steve Wilkes as the head coach, and they brought in Frank Reich, every off season move with the exception of anything defense, has been providing a, a, a rookie quarterback or a quarterback a ton of support. So we see they're trying to revamp the offense, and we see they've done everything to build that offense to make whoever comes in their job as easy as possible. Okay, so Bryce Young, it seems, is going to be the first selection well, on Thursday night. <laughs> well, It seems. Who knows? I mean, I mean, that's, that's who everybody thinks it is. But obviously yesterday you saw the report. Some anonymous guy on, on Reddit claims he's got information that Will Levis is talking and saying he's telling his friends yeah. he's going to be the Panthers starting quarterback. I don't buy it, but it's crazy of how everyone in Vegas did. And, and we started to see the odds turn. If you if you right. were to, to right now hold me up against the wall and say, who's it going to be? I would obviously choose Bryce Young. <laughs> But it's interesting. It, it really is interesting. For a time, everybody thought it was going to be C.J. Stroud, and everybody thought that Bryce Young was just too small to play in the NFL for a number one pick level. And But this, over time, odds sort of shifted. So right now, I would say yes, I do think it's going to be Bryce Young. But it is very interesting how the last 24 hours certainly have provided a seed of doubt. Okay, so why is there at least before yesterday and uh, before somebody jumped on Reddit, why is why is the speculation turned to Young? What what would why would he be their guy if he is their guy? Well, I mean, I think you look at the his body of work. He definitely has everything you need to be a, 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 a top quarterback in the NFL. I think everybody speaks glowingly of his physical skills, of his mental capacity for the game, of his decision making. The one knock that everybody has on him is his height. And to me, that's a big knock because I think the Panthers went into this season thinking we've got to win now. I think Anthony Richardson's a guy that that should be looked upon. And I think if the Panthers had a little more flexibility and the fact that they'd be willing to accept a couple of down seasons or at least one down season, I wouldn't have been surprised if they went with him. But they're looking for a guy that can win now, and they believe that's Bryce Young. Yeah, the, I've talked about the uh, you know, Bryce Young's stature as a you know height wise, but the fact that he played a pro style offense at Alabama for Bill O'Brien, I assume that plays a role if Bryce Young is the guy. Absolutely, and of course the the cognitive test score is another thing. Uh, Scott Fitter and Dave uh, Tepper are very big on that, and I think perhaps the thing that sealed it for him was the fact that he scored a ninety eight on the test. And, and C.J. Stroud only scored an 18. Now, if you've ever seen those tests, they're, they're kind of ridiculous. We actually did this on the air the other day, and it was just like, you know, if, if, if all engineers work on the 12th floor 
and Sally is an engineer, then we must assume that Sally works on the 12th floor. And your options are true, false, and we don't have enough information for that. Uh, and, and, and But those are very big to Dave Tamper, and those are very big to Scott Fitter. So we think that's the thing that clinched it for him. Okay, you mentioned Richardson and Levis already. Yeah, is there a chance that that could happen, or they probably didn't move up to number one in the draft to take either of those guys? That's the other side of thinking on that, right? And that's the thing. That's the thing that clinches it for me. I don't think you risk it all for Will Levis. I don't think you risk it all for Anthony Richardson. Now, again, I'm not a scout. I don't know these things. But all sides pointed to when they made that deal with the Chicago Bears they had a pretty good idea of who they were going to take. And I think maybe had this been a year ago, it might have been Will Levis. I mean, Will Levis, his stock was very high going into last season. And then he got injured. And then he also had to deal with a new offensive coordinator. So his stock dropped. Uh, Anthony Richardson's stock quasi-raised this year. But again, the stats in a competitive SEC weren't there. If you were to ask me, I think they had their sights set on somebody. And that's why they were willing to cash in all their chips and risk it all. Okay, Mike, I will get I promise we'll get back to the draft here shortly, but I want to talk about the offseason to this point. Uh, you know, what they've done in free agency on the offensive side. They've added receivers DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know, getting the receivers, uh, you know, they've had some receivers in the past. Getting any receivers the ball has been a question in Carolina in recent years. I know Andy Dalton was brought in, uh, so is maybe he gonna start the season, or if Young's the guy? If they choose, if they choose, if they choose Young with the first pick, is he the starter from day one? Well, again, we don't know that yet, but I'll say this: I think they've 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 positioned themselves with an insurance policy uh, by taking Andy Dalton. Obviously, the Andy Dalton now is not the Andy Dalton he was four or five years ago, but at the very least, if he has to start the season. They should take comfort in that. They've surrounded him with guys like like Chark and Thielen. I mean, those are veteran guys that can pick up the slack if Dalton is slow out of the gate. Um, and it was very important they did that because, again, to get that number one pick, they had to give up D.J. Moore, who at the time everybody thought was untouchable. That was a very, very big, risky move for Carolina. I, I think, I mean, if you, if, you, if you read a lot of so-called experts, Everybody has been very high grade-wise on what Carolina has done. They've put themselves in a situation where they're ready to win now, but they've also bought themselves just a little bit of wiggle room in case that rookie quarterback is not ready to go. They also, yeah, of course, they dealt Christian McCaffrey during last season. They've added Miles Sanders, four years, $25 million. What are they expecting from Sanders? Now, this was one that caught me by surprise. It really did. I really was surprised they did not go with Deontay Foreman and keep him there because Deontay Foreman did a wonderful job, him and Chuba Hubbard, last year of stepping in when Christian McCaffrey was traded away. If you remember, the run game was very, very slow out of the gate under the Matt Rule, Ben McAdoo regime. I think Fitter uh, put a lot of pressure on them to get that going and then finally, when they traded McCaffrey, it seemed to open up the floodgates a little bit, and Foreman had a great job. So Sanders is going to be relied upon uh, in that same role last year. Now, he's, this is coming year now. He's had both knee and ankle injuries in two of the last three seasons. He had a great season last year, a breakout season. The question is, is his body going to be able to hold up and maintain that and have a repeat season? That remains to be seen. 
you know, it was fascinating, at least from afar, and certainly we're from afar here, but the offensive line, which either was, you know, underrated before the season, but, you know, they certainly got better during the season. How'd that happen? Well, I, I think that they assembled the right, the uh, correct group of guys. Bradley Bozeman came over from Baltimore. He was a huge guy uh, in terms of that, um, that, that, that sort of come up, if you will. Uh, I, I think that consistency was a big thing. I think that that was something that they hadn't had over the last couple of years. You had the same guys out there, and you're right. They were, other than, I mean, between the defense and the offensive line, the thing that was keeping uh, the ship in order. Now, if you remember, they also drafted Icky Iquano last year. He got off mm-hmm. to a very slow start and was torched against Cleveland. Um, but by the end of the season, he had proven to be one of their most reliable weapons on that line. So that was another big reason why uh, that line developed so well. I-, I look for them to still draft somebody in the line. I think there's there, there three needs, obviously, going into the draft. Obviously, number one, you have quarterback. Pass rusher, that's going to be a big one. Brian Burns is having surgery this offseason, or has had surgery. Uh, so they're going to need other people to help out. They've done a good job of getting people along that way. And then, of course, offensive line, I guess, is something you can never have a part of. But but you're right. It was a, it was a good season for the offensive line. Icky played great. The addition of Bradley Bozeman was good. Uh, Pat Elfline going out actually ended up being a good thing because Bradley got the boost into the starting lineup. And, and that's when you started to see some of the pieces fall into place. You mentioned uh, Burns and you know the defense. They they switched. They've now switched to a three four scheme. Don Capers is back with the organization. <laughs> uh, when healthy, they they've got some stud performers on the defense side of the ball. So how good can this unit be? And does the uh, you know, returning and added personnel does it fit the scheme change? I think that the defense has the potentially very good this year. The, the biggest challenge is there's going to be guys playing different positions and on different spots of the field. So they've got to get up to speed rather quickly once all the pieces come together for summer camp and, and preseason camp. But I think, again, everybody sort of feels that Jack Thompson took a pay cut to, to, uh, to, to rejoin this team last year. They were really worried that they were going to have to cut him and he was not going to be coming back with Shaq's coming back. He's been a leader, a captain over the years. Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin. I mean, these are guys that, that have really come into their own or have been in their own, and now you've sort of seen this this, this form under Ejero Overo and what he's trying to do. It could be a big – I mean, this could be – you talk about the weak division they're in, and it was awful last year. This could be a huge opportunity for Carolina to, to catapult over everybody and find themselves back in the playoffs. You mentioned Jeremy Chin. Scenario. That's best yeah, that's scenario. true. I mean, we don't know. Okay. We don't know. I mean, you know, you look at, at we did a study and it was just like you know like twenty percent of of like top you know pick quarterbacks don't make it past like year five. Again, you just don't know. All the pieces have to be right on paper. All the pieces look great, but you just don't know. Okay, back to the defense for one last thing. They added Von Bell also in the offseason, the safety. You know, you mentioned Jeremy Chin. You know, he's sometimes been really good, sometimes kind of missing in action. So how's the new fit, uh, new scheme fit with Chin? And, uh, you know, should he be more of a playmaker at this stage? I think that's what they're looking for him to do. I think Jeremy Chin's going to be fine. I really do. He had an up-and-down year last year for a variety of reasons. But he's one of the hardest workers on the team, and he's willing to embrace anything they throw at him. And I think 
we saw that last year with the defense and, 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 and him trying to do whatever was asked for him despite the fact that he was dealing with injuries and things like that. I think I think Jeremy's going to be fine. I do think I do think you know when when you're waiting for the offense to sort of round into form, they're going to be relying heavily on the defense to help them and keep them in the game. And I think they're going to do it. All right, back to the draft part here. Yeah, you know, what other positions? I don't care which side of the ball. Do you expect them to address this week? So you know, you know when we get done with this on Saturday night, uh, you know, what areas do you think they'll uh, you know try to improve upon the most? Well, as I said, pass rushers, you can never, in their mind, you can never have enough of them. I think they're looking for guys like that. Offensive line, another one is wide receiver. You lose D.J. Moore, and anytime you lose D.J. Moore, and, and no disrespect to D.J. Chark and Adam Thielen, great guys, but that was their guy last year. So I think you can never have, in their mind, enough receivers. They'll say when they get to a certain point, they will take the best player available, but look for pass rushers to be priority number two for them. All right, so you know when the when the you know, season starts, you know what what areas do you think they still need to you know, from now until the time the training camp open? Let's put it that way. What areas do you think they need to most improve upon? Obviously, quarterback play. I mean, that's they 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 and 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 developing a passing strategy and a passing attack. I mean, rookie minicamp is going to be huge to get their guys up to speed. I think I think just. Rounding the offense into form with so many new places is probably going to be the top priority. At least, with the very least, with the defense, you have a lot of familiar places. They, now, granted, they're playing at times different positions, but that offense is pretty much all new, with the exception of a lot of guys on the offensive line. That's got to be priority number one. Mike, appreciate the time. Have fun. I'm um, probably going to be uh, you know, drama-filled to some extent. We'll see how this goes on Thursday. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. We're all looking forward to it. It's obviously the thing everybody was talking about. Obviously, it's a little bit anticlimactic with the fact that everybody knows they're going to take a quarterback. But still, there is a little bit of sense of, you know, you, you think you know, but do you really know? And so when we see the commissioner up there, and, and, and it'll be good. Now, hopefully, they won't have a, a Dan Marley-like experience where Dan Marley was obviously booed when, when they picked So hopefully, whoever the Panthers pick with that top pick, will be warmly welcomed. Well, the Marley thing actually worked out well in the end. He did, you know, yeah, short term. Didn't, yeah, didn't it was, Jerry it, Colangelo chastise the crowd, too? He's like, now you boo him now, but you'll see. Well, and, co- and, and, yeah, actually, it was Cotton Fitzsimmons at that point. Oh, I'm but, sorry, uh, you're yeah. right. He was. I, for shame, yeah, but, I, yeah. as a 90s NBA child, I should know that. I apologize. <laughs> no problem. We got it, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too, Mike Lissette of uh, Charlotte Sports Live. I didn't think we were going to get to a Dan Marley thing there, but uh, yeah, uh, that worked out rather well here for the Suns back in the day. All right, next segment phone call time 602 260 1060. Also, we'll get today's local roundup. That'll be topped by some Suns and Clippers analysis from last night and time pending uh, some uh, Diamondbacks and Royals information from last night. Uh, I, think that la- I really think last night, I know the Diamondbacks have lost some games earlier this season. Last night was the sloppiest, uh, I think most incomplete performance from the Diamondbacks pitching, offense, defense that we have seen in the young season thus far. 
Then, uh, after the next segment, we will get to uh, the National Roundup to conclude the show. But mainly phone call time in the next segment if you want to jump aboard. General discussion, 602-260-1060. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS- KSLX HD2 100.7. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. It's time for today's local roundup. Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. General discussion if you want to jump aboard. Time and room for you in this segment. Meanwhile, today's local roundup. The Suns closed out a playoff series at home for the first time since 2007 last night. I should have looked this up, but I didn't. I'm pretty sure that's the year that they eliminated the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. And then Kobe Bryant does the, one of the most classless things, a series of things I've ever seen. And uh, you know, Kobe left the bench before the end of the game, refused to shake hands or acknowledge the Suns at that point, any of them. Then he trashed his teammates in the postgame, trashed his teammates for the next few months, and uh, really rudely um, treated people in the visiting locker room of which I was in that after that particular series. And I think that was in 2007. But anyway, that's the last time. 2007 is the last time the Suns clinched a playoff series at home. The 50-point third quarter, uh, you know, then, then after that they, they were more concerned about killing time than running an offense down the stretch. Josh Kogi and Landry Shamit on the floor in clutch time? Really? Uh, that's who the Clippers wanted on the floor. The, the opponent wanted on the floor in clutch time. Much more on this game during the extra point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. So stay tuned for that. Devin Booker uh, was phenomenal in this series against the Clippers, but this local idea that he's the MVP of the first round of the playoffs is total nonsense and BS. Jimmy Butler is close to single-handedly beating a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Apparently, nobody in Phoenix realizes that. Uh, But he's the MVP of the first round of the playoffs to this point. Not even close. Sorry. Booker's been great, but Butler's been spectacular, and he is the reason that the Heat now have a 3-1 lead against the Milwaukee Bucks. Meanwhile, the Suns, by playing their starters big minutes against the Clippers, that didn't matter because it was the right thing to do. They missed only, uh, you know, they only needed five games to advance, and now they have three days off before they play the Nuggets uh, beginning on Saturday night. Uh, what was a big deal is they allowed 130 points to a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Is the defense capable of improving moving forward? I think that's a legitimate question. Meanwhile, some personnel news here. Backup guard campaign played for the first time in the playoffs. He only played, he was out the four, the first four games of this series with a back injury. Only played three minutes, didn't score. 
And uh, you know they got kind of they were rolling obviously in the third quarter, so then they can't put him in in the fourth quarter because he'd have to guard somebody. Meanwhile, the bottom line: the Suns still with just one loss, uh, with Kevin Durant on the floor. Up next, the Suns I think should be pleased with the series schedule against the Nuggets. Game one, as I mentioned, not until Saturday night. Then after the Monday game two, game three is not until Friday, May the fifth. And also, if the Nuggets and the Suns series goes seven games, there would be Dave's off between the Game 6, which is scheduled to be Thursday, May 11th, and Game 7 on Sunday, May 14th. So at least for one more series, I think the Suns can get away with playing their starters a lot of minutes with the exception and thought process that there are games at altitude in Denver in this series. All right, on to the phone lines we go. Monroe and Glendale, what's going on, Monroe? Hello, Bob. Hi. I'm trying to put myself in the position of Steve Ballmer, and I even guess to some degree Adam Silver. And I'm asking myself, the way I understand load management, it's supposed to minimize opportunities and exposure to soft tissue issues uh, and increase the possibility that your key players will be available when you need them. Uh, And I'm looking at the Clippers and I'm asking myself, how long, what does Steve Ballmer do when his best players are still being injured, legitimately injured, Yeah. Uh, in spite of all the load management. And at the end of the day, the best ability is availability. How do I manage or rationalize keeping these guys, keeping this team, when at the end of the day they're not there when we need them to be there, even though I know the injuries are legit still? How do I fix that in my mind? Especially – you got this new stadium coming open. You already yeah. got issues. You got issues with selling tickets with low management. Uh, you can't necessarily, you know, assuming that they weren't around for, you know, two years from now. What does that do to selling tickets in the stadium? I think this. I think Steve Ballmer got some thinking to do, and I think Adam Silver has some thinking to do because. Load management didn't stop Tyler Hero from breaking his hand. It didn't That's stop correct. Giannis from taking from taking that great fall. So how with these injuries of star players when you need them the most, how do you how do you justify load management? I don't know. I think in this case you've got a couple different things here. Yeah, Paul George, you know, they obviously you know, nursed him through the season. Yeah, he just took a terrible fall at a really bad time of the season. And, you know, they said last night that, you know, had they actually advanced in this series, that they would have expected him to play at some point in the second round. The Kawhi thing is a totally different thing. Unfortunately, you know, this dude has been legitimately injured now in two of the last three years in the, in the postseason. And, you know, now he has a torn meniscus. Uh, and, uh, you know, he suffered that in apparently in game two against the Suns in this series. So I'm not real sure how to deal with that. As far as selling tickets, 
I don't really think I don't know if they care that much about selling tickets because it's so they're going to be in a new building and I think it's going to be a season ticket package that you know you know they basically they're going to you know, steal from the public and they're going to you know most of the people I assume in the new building especially in Los Angeles and there are more Clippers fans in Los Angeles now than there have ever been before uh, I think that the, they'll make out fine there. I think the television ratings are the thing that uh, I would be most concerned about if I were the NBA right now. Not necessarily in the playoffs, but certainly during the regular season when you don't know who's playing from game to game and hour to hour, literally, before some of the uh, so-called highly, highly uh, you know, looked, uh, highly acclaimed and, 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 and anticipated uh, national television games. Yeah, so at, at what point? And I don't know. I'm just maybe just. Crazy. Well, they're stuck with these two guys. I mean, if you wanted to move them, you can't. Uh, right. you know, you're paying them for a while. They're hurt, unfortunately, more than they're not. So the fact that a team acquiring him, acquiring either of them, would somehow have to come up with you know, a trade, and there's trade parameters in the NBA anyway, salary cap uh, oriented. So that's you know that that's almost impossible. So between the contracts. The trade provisions in the injury situation, you know, they're they're you know, they made their bed here, unfortunately, and uh, they're you know hope they just have to hope that these guys stay healthy sometime. That's one of the things that Tyron Lou talked about in the post game last night. Yeah, I, I tell you, the the only the only person that will make me change my schedule to watch an NBA game is Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> just for the life of me, it just yeah, you know. And it's just, you know, he's a great player. You just wish these things didn't happen to anybody, really, right? Anybody, but. Yep, agreed. But, um, uh, and, and unfortunately, before the, before he got hurt against the Suns, I think you make a pretty easy case that in the last, say, month of the season, nobody in the league was playing better than Kawhi Leonard was. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Um, now, with the Suns, you know, they 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 don't have a good bench, uh, but I don't know. Maybe this is old man coming out. But you know, that was a time when the NBA was shorting their bench, and who played when you got down to the playoff round? That was a coming. Agreed. Absolutely, uh, it was. But I don't know who you play. I mean, they only have. I think there's only one guy. That you pretty much know what you're going to get every night. Uh, in in Bisback Biombo plays at a high level pretty much every night at the defensive end, and he's a tremendous rebounder. And as this uh, these series continue, including the next series against the Nuggets, I think rebounding is even going to be a bigger deal. Yeah. Do you do you think though that uh, perimeter defense and the Nuggets? going to be a, a bigger issue as well oh yeah their, their perimeter defense is atrocious for the most part <laughs> uh yeah i know that booker had some really good moments in this series defensively he certainly has improved but let's face it uh they really don't have unless it's tory craig a perimeter defender that can keep people out of the paint and i think that's was the biggest problem for the suns in this series against the clippers is that whether it be Westbrook or anybody, really, quite frankly, if they wanted to take the Suns perimeter players off the dribble, they did. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it, 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 it's good to see them advance, but I'm just thinking out, you know, out loud and thinking, if something's going to have to give here, because if they don't, then um, these other teams coming up have great perimeter players, and it'll be a problem Agreed. for them. Thanks, Bob. I'll just add one. Okay, thank you. I'll just add one final thing to this: is that the more I watch the Nuggets and the Wolves series, the less I thought of the Nuggets. Um, and I'll get to that. I'll get a little more in the Nuggets in the next segment, among other things. National roundups coming up in the next segment. That'll be after the update uh, with Corey, and uh, we'll conclude today's Sports Zone with the national roundup. We'll get to some of the Tuesday night NBA scoreboard things that caught my attention. Also get to some latest line from the NBA games upcoming, including Suns and Nuggets game one on Saturday night in Denver. Then don't uh, forget, stay tuned. The extra points coming up in the next two hours. That will include a Cardinals uh, discussion, the draft in offseason with Howard Balzer. So stay tuned for that. As the Sports Zone wraps up in the next segment, with Bob Kemp right here on KDUSAM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. And from the NBA postseason scoreboard, the Nuggets uh, messed around uh, but did enough to eliminate the Wolves last night in Denver. The game tied at 77 through three quarters. The Nuggets outscored the Wolves 35-32 in the fourth quarter. They win 112-109. Nick Jokic did record his eighth career triple-double in the postseason, 28 points, 17 rebounds, and 12 assists, but he was was 8 of 29 from the field. 8 of 29. Uh, The bad news is, uh, actually the best news is for us, is that we don't have to watch the Wolves play anymore. The poorly constructed and low basketball IQ Timberwolves are, thank God, done for the season. Meanwhile, the Celtics wasted a chance to eliminate the Hawks. The Celtics outscored 23-8 to end Game 5 in what turned out to be a Hawks 121-119 victory. Trey Young scored the last 14 Atlanta points, capped by the game-winning three-point shot that we heard at the top of the hour. Young finished with 38 points and 13 assists on the night that DeJounte Murray was suspended and obviously didn't play. Jalen, uh, excuse me, Jason Tatum, he wasn't good in this game. He had 19 points, but he was 1 out of 10 from behind the arc and only had two free throw attempts. Uh, the Celtics, by the way, 12 of 38 on three-point shots last night as a team. All right, so tonight you got the big four games, uh, you know, game uh, five in all these series. Uh, New York's at Cleveland. And uh, New York tries to round out the series. Cleveland, a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home tonight. Meanwhile, the Lakers are at Memphis as the Lakers try to take care of business. Memphis uh, has been tremendous at home this season. They split the first two games at home in this particular series. Tonight, Memphis, a four-point home favorite in that game. Miami's at Milwaukee. Milwaukee, an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. 
as they try to avoid elimination. The number one seed tries to avoid elimination. And then I would imagine most people would uh, agree in the uh, spotlight game, the marquee event of the evening, Golden State against the, uh, the against the Sacramento Kings. And uh, the Warriors, one-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Even though this has been dancing around some, you know, had the, uh, you know, De'Aaron Fox is not going to play report on Monday. Yesterday, De'Aaron Fox declared he is going to play tonight. So, you know, it's the the consensus number, at least worldwide, and I just double-checked this during the break, seems to be uh, the Warriors' one-and-a-half-point favorites in tonight's game. Meanwhile, Saturday, of course, the Suns begin this series at Denver against the Nuggets. And uh, the Nuggets, the home court advantage in this series. And um, not positive about this. I shouldn't have time to look this up or remember or a combination of both. I think this is the first time that uh, since Chris Paul has been here that the Suns haven't had home court advantage in a series. But they don't in this series. And uh, the Nuggets are a two-and-a-half point favorite in game one on Saturday night. We still don't know what time that game is because we see what happens tonight in other NBA playoff series. But the Suns, uh, they open two and a half, still sitting at two and a half, total at uh, 225 in most locations. All right, quickly, baseball today. The Diamondbacks try to uh, salvage what has been a very disappointing homestand thus far, just two and four. They've played atrocious baseball the last two days against Kansas City. They're lucky they split those two games. Zach Gallon on the mound, he's been unbelievable. Uh, in the last three starts, he has not allowed an, a run period. He has 29 strikeouts and one walk over those three starts. Not surprisingly, Gallon in the Diamondbacks against Kansas City and Ryan Yarborough, a massive favorite of the Diamondbacks tonight, excuse me, this afternoon. Minus 260. Uh, the Diamondbacks are today in that particular series finale before they hit the road and go to Colorado for three days. One of their quick baseball note, Justin Verlander uh, expects to be back in the Mets rotation next week. He's got a rehab started on Friday. 